This week on the Indo Daily. I actually don't believe right that priests said her any harm. He just like thought I knew. But that's how I found out Miriam Martina was dead. How likely is it that Trump will be found guilty of paying hush money to former adult film star Stormy Daniels? We're talking about involvement in serious drugs activity on both sides of the border and as well as that, the procurement of weapons. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by Professor Anne-Marie O'Dwyer chatting all things the psychiatry of cancer. I want to say that it's very common to be very distressed, to have a very prominent psychological response to cancer, that they are not alone that lots of other people feel in that way and that it's important for them to have information. Information is power, but it has to be the right information. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. I would fully expect Monaghan to go in with a certain amount of belief that they're going to play the game in their terms and make life difficult for Dublin. They will think that they'll give themselves a full chance to to get to an All-Ireland final. Not sure they'll get it done, but I don't. They, they won't roll over, and they will absolutely relish the shot. Some people might cower away from it. I think that Monaghan team, Monaghan of the last ten years, uh, doing as well as they are and everything with the resources that Dick doesn't like, being a smaller county, they will relish this on Saturday week. It had been billed as the most open football championship in 20 years, but as the dust settles on the quarterfinal weekend, it looks like Kerry and Dublin have pulled away from the chasing pack and are on course for a potential All Ireland final meeting. Welcome to the Throw-In Football Show. Will Slattery here, and I'm delighted to be joined by Frank Roach and Dunica Boyle for our chat looking back over all the action in Croke Park over the weekend. Also a reminder that the new independent.ie GAA show, Breaking Ball with Philly McMahon, will be released every Saturday for the rest of the championship with interviews and insights from the GAA world, and that can be watched on the Indos YouTube channel and independent.ie. But for now, we will look back at the weekend that was. And Dunica, were you surprised with how things played out in Croke Park over Saturday and Sunday, I know we were talking off air. When the draw was announced last Monday, everyone was excited. It seemed like the football championship was with a roar into life. Kerry Tyrone, Dublin Mayo, their rivalries have often produced absolute all-time great games. But we didn't get that. We got Kerry and Dublin pulling away, showing their teeth and kind of emerging as the two maybe heavyweight teams left in this championship. But were you surprised with how things played out versus what you maybe expected going into it? Definitely not surprised, Will. Pro- probably a little bit disappointed. Um, you know, if you look at the results, you know, I, w- I would have fancied Kerry to beat, I covered Kerry against Loud. I would have fancied them to beat Tyrone. Um, I would have fancied Dublin to come good at this time of year. Um, and uh, Derry to beat Cork as well. Armagh Monaghan was an awful lot closer than certainly the bookmakers thought. Wasn't really surprised we got that, uh, whichever way that wanted, wasn't going to be surprised and wasn't surprised that, that they needed penalties. But definitely disappointed because if you go back to last Monday morning and the way the draw fell, Dublin Mayo, fantastic. Um, Tyrone and Kerry in the history of that fixture, brilliant. Armagh Monaghan being a local a local rivalry as well and then Cork Derry. Um, so we were really teed up for something brilliant this weekend. Two games, Saturday, Sunday, Crow Park, 70 plus thousand uh, for, uh, fixed for, for both days, full house yesterday as it turned out. And do you know what? Two of the games were a fair, were a drab, they were pretty dour. Uh, Armagh Monaghan was tense and uh, towards the end. But if you didn't have a dog in the fight, you know, there wasn't a whole lot to draw you into it until maybe the extra time in the penalties. 
Um, Cork Derry, which I worked out yesterday, wasn't a particularly good or entertaining game. Um, Tyrone had taken care of business fairly early on against Tyrone. You just you got the sense early enough in that that Tyrone couldn't whip up that tempest that they usually reserve for Kerry. And then um, Dublin Mayo for first half, yeah, that was that was good, and it was finely balanced and all that. But Dublin took care of business in in uh, in the third quarter. So you could argue that maybe the first half of Kerry Tyrone and the first half of Dublin Mayo were about as exciting as it got. And after that, like I, I, as I say, I covered Cork Derry yesterday. Very forgettable, very forgettable game. And Armagh Monaghan penalties, great, great drama, great tension. But as a game, as a spectacle, it was, it was pretty, pretty forgettable. So yeah, a disappointing weekend because I thought we'd get at least one blockbuster. I had a suspicion we get two. When they announced yesterday that Hawkeye was broken or was being stood down, I was there. This is this nothing sure what's going to happen that there's going to be a contentious point decision that's going to decide the game one way or other. I thought it was written in the stars. But we got nothing of the sort, uh, and and more's the pity. Yeah, Frank, we'll drill into the games in a bit more detail in a moment. But you know, what what are, what are your takeaways from the weekend? Uh, you know, anything that Donald touched on there that you agreed with her? Well, very much. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, the, the best football of the weekend was probably the first half of of uh, Dublin Mayo. I'm not even sure that the first half of Kerry Tyrone was at that level. Even though Kerry only led by three points at the break, there was still a very clear sense that you know they had done the groundwork. Their defence was definitely getting on top of uh, Tyrone and you were waiting for them to push on and that's what happened. Whereas at halftime, there was a sense that you know even though Mayo were a point down, they had their full forward division and how they'd worked the ball into them, it caused a lot of grief for Dublin in one-on-one situations. I mean, all eight Mayo points in the first half stemmed from the full forward line, not just that they scored them all, but all the frees were fouls on the inside trio. Um, but Dublin had settled in the few minutes before half time. They'd got the last three points. And basically, five minutes into the second half, when uh, Kari Basquel uh, pounced for a second goal. It was game over. Time to go home. Um, so, I mean, my my real takeaway from the weekend was the fact that the the two old empires, uh, Kerry and Dublin, have definitely reasserted themselves. Now, in fairness, Kerry are the holders. It's not as if the question is how much did they have to reassert themselves, but there have been question marks about them at different stages through this summer, none more so than when they lost so poorly to Mayo and Killarney. Um, and obviously the beat loud out the gate the last day, but people are still saying that's loud. What will Kerry be like when the big questions are asked? And on Saturday, the big questions weren't asked, but Kerry were still very, very good. Hmm. Don't like, I know like it's kind of funny now to think that we were, as I said at the start of the show, teeing it up as the most open championship we'd had in so long. But I do think that, you know, Mayo in particular and Galway to an extent, we'll just reflect on that final round Robin game where things went a bit haywire and, it meant Mayo had to play not only three weekends in a row, but had to play Galway last weekend, a very tough game that they won, but then not ideal preparation when Dublin were able to put the feet up for a week. And it was all in Mayo and Galway's potential to, to have a, maybe a more favourable draw and that extra rest week. So I don't, I don't know if we were necessarily wrong to think it was very open. Just no, the way I, yeah, I, I think things. it was absolutely fair comment, I think, at the time for all the available evidence. Now, we did say on this several times that you know Dublin were, for this time of year, in or around it, Dublin. This is when they need to be coming right. Um, you know, they were going to cruise through Division Two. 
They were going to cruise through the Leinster Championship. The nature of the All-Ireland series with three out of four teams coming out of the group, you know, they were going to be okay until around this time of year. Admittedly, I thought to be going better. We might have seen something like we saw yesterday uh, before this. I might have thought they'd hit the ground uh, or maybe found a new level of performance a little bit earlier than yesterday. But they came good at exactly the right time against exactly the right team. But in terms of like, it was very open. And and I think everyone was um, looking at this, facing into this new calendar for the first time. And I suppose you had three top high-end championship matches. And as you mentioned, some counties made life very hard on themselves when they were in control of their own destiny and probably paid the price. I know John Cleary yesterday after the Cork game, he was saying, look, we just didn't have the energy levels that we had before. Um, you know, you could that it looked like that way with Tyrone as well. And uh, it probably looked that way with Mayo as well. So it, it's very it's very difficult to hit those heights um, three weeks in a row as some of those teams are trying to do. And that extra week, like even Jack O'Connor doesn't give away too much after the loud game. And they had kind of, to be honest, kind of the stars aligned for him to finish top of the group and, and get the extra week like he was saying and basically said I'm delighted with that which is not the kind of thing you hear from Jack he generally sort of like plays it calm and plays it down and plays it cool on, on, on most things but you could, he wasn't hiding his delight that they had the extra week and it, and it showed Yeah, Mayo, Tyrone and Cork all played three weeks in a row all three of them I think were a point down at half time and they all faded you know pretty substantially in the second half so it's hard to know if it's a direct correlation but it has to be some sort of factor Frank to, to kind of maybe focus a little more on Dublin Mayo for the moment Colin Keyes was writing today I think that it was he, in his opinion the best Dublin performance under Desi Farland since the 2019 final replay winner over Kerry would you go along with that was that the best Dublin look for you in a long time uh, I think it probably was no probably more specifically the last 40 minutes. But, I mean, if you go through even the 2020 championship when Desi won in his first year, it was such a strange affair. Um, you know, there was no second chances. You went, you won Leinster, which Dublin were always going to do in a counter. Went to an All-Ireland semi-final against Cavan, which they won easily. And uh, they played very well in a composed way in this, you know, against Mayo in the final. That They never looked like they were going to lose that game. But there's no game you could pick out from 2020 that was, you know, a standout of Dublin being asked, you know, asked tough questions and coming out and delivering. And obviously we know how the last two uh, seasons have panned out for them. So I think that's definitely fair comment. I mean, the what they produced in the second half against Mayo yesterday was probably as close as we've seen to the 12 minutes of destruction that they visited upon the same county Mayo in the 2019 semi-final. It was slightly different, but, you know, it was similar. And, I, I mean, the, the agenda was set from the throw-in. Dublin won it. James McCarthy came away with the ball, uh, drove hard at the defence, fed Paul Mannion, scored off his weaker foot. And from then on, Dublin just took off. And, I mean, the interesting thing was that Mayo had won the throw-in for the first half. And, and, and that almost kind of got them into their strike quickly. But the second half was really, it was pretty close to vintage Dublin. James McCarthy, I thought, really set the agenda. It was similar to maybe his second half against Kerry last year in in different circumstances where Dublin were, you know, battling and doing their damnness to stay alive in the championship. But he was absolutely brilliant. I mean, Cali Baskell, in fairness to him, um, Yesterday, they didn't come out of nowhere. His form in this championship has been really, really good. And I suppose people were saying, 
or we're asking, will Collie still be able to step up in the really, really big games? And he did again yesterday. And as we as we speak here, if you were picking an all-star team at the moment, I think Collie Basquiat would probably be in it. He has scored really heavily in lots of lots of matches. I'd say at least four of the Dublin matches this in this championship. He's been up there among the leading scorers. Uh, and his drive and dynamism, uh, you know, has really added a you know a new dimension to Dublin. Even though he's been around the block since uh, I think 2016. Hmm. go for you, what kind of prompted that third quarter when the game really flipped? Because at halftime, there was no indication that Dublin were going to be running away with it like 10, 15 minutes later. I know they kicked the last three points. But as Frank mentioned earlier, like the Mayo forwards were causing, you know, a lot of damage, arguably as damaging a full forward line may have had against Dublin in terms of the scores they were racking up. Why do you think it changed so massively, so quickly in that second half? Uh, probably, as we touched on earlier, it's it that Dublin had that energy to, about them that when, you know, when the legs stop and the start and have to go again, you know, it's sometimes very hard for tired legs to get to get going again. Um, the goal was was obviously very important, and you know I suppose when Dublin get on that flow in Crow Park, we talk a lot about Mayo and this, but when Dublin get on that flow in Crow Park and the crowd is behind them, you know they, they do develop a momentum very quickly, and they kind of put that game away fairly efficiently in in that period as well. So you know, and, and I think we saw with a few of them those teams that had played the three weeks in a row. Soon as the game got away from them, it got away from them very fast, and in a few minutes. And you know, I, I think that that's an interesting pattern. Like we have a very small sample size. This is the first year of this championship and this format. But I wouldn't be terribly surprised if we were seeing that again because we're looking at a scenario now where fellas coming in off two heavy knockout games like do or die, and are seven days from the next one. Um, and we've seen it before, obviously in the back door and all that, but not quite at this level of competition. Because even if you look at the Super 8s, Super 8s was league format. So, you know, there wasn't quite the same high-wire stuff. So, um, I, I, I think in this time next year, I think we could be having a very similar conversations about the team that come through the, the preliminary quarterfinals and, and maybe we'll see them fade off and be burned off in the last, uh, the second half or the last quarter of, the, uh, of these quarterfinal matches. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if teams maybe take it a little more seriously or prioritize it slightly different the round robin last year because we've seen as you mentioned how crucial it was to get the extra rest week to maybe even be at home in the preliminary quarter final and maybe that was the undoing of, of certain teams this time around Frank, Frank how do you think Kevin McStay and Mayo will reflect on 2023 I think it didn't take long for Kevin McStay to get up to speed with the kind of the rhythms of being in the Mayo camp because there was highs there was lows there was a league win over Galway in the final there was a, a great win over them in the preliminary quarter finals but there was you know, the loss to Cork, which was which was very disappointing, losing to Roscommon and Connacht, and obviously finishing with a pretty heavy defeat to Dublin as well. He was saying it was more positive than negative. What's your view on how they look at it? Well, you've kind of touched on it. It was, it, it was a, a season of all kinds of everything for Mayo. And uh, I suppose th there have been signs of progress, definitely, in, in the blooding of some players who have adapted quite quickly, uh, especially in the defensive end. Um, but I, I think the two things basically caught up with Mayo yesterday were, uh, firstly, actually, their, their carelessness in, in letting uh, top place in the group slip because they should have finished first after beating Kerry. Uh, they didn't. 
having been six up against Cork with whatever, 15 minutes to go. Um, uh, and that created a way more difficult route to an All-Ireland semi-final for them. I mean, they potentially would have been playing, we'll say if it was Tyrone in the draw, if it worked out the same way. Um, you would have probably fancied them to take Tyrone this time. They didn't. They were facing the Dubs, having played a really hard game the week before against Galway. And, um, you know, they just, uh, whether it was a case that they ran it out of juice, that was definitely part of it. But Dublin turned it on early in the second half and Mayo weren't able to live with them. But I thought the other big factor with them is that too many of their, we call them key players or in players in key positions, have been struggling for form in recent weeks. I mean, even a few guys who played really well against Kerry, I'm thinking Matt Ruan and Jack Carney, um, you know, their form has kind of fallen off a cliff really in the last few matches. And that the the midfield and half forward area was where they really, really struggled yesterday. I mean, I wouldn't blame the inside forwards. They were getting great ball in the first half. And when they were getting ball in one-on-one situations, they were causing trouble. How many times in the second half yesterday did you see any of those three forwards receive a ball in what we call a level of space or where they were able to take on their man? They didn't. Dublin, Mayo could barely win a ball for the first six or seven minutes after halftime. And Dublin punished them and punished them time and time again in that period. And the game was gone from them. I think, I think when Mayo, you know, this week or maybe over Christmas or whatever it is, and the drill down to the analysis of that game yesterday, like, the, if you look at the goals, like, you know, the first goal, Pascal's goal, uh, the first one, uh, Porokohor is sort of, you know, he's maybe, Pascal has him on, on the run a little bit. Porokohor misjudged the flight of the ball by a good distance to the extent where Pascal catches a long ball into, in and around the, the square and he catches it with his, in his, in the pocket, not over his head. It catches in the pocket like that in, in, into his chest and has time to go and stick it in the net. So you're looking at that from Mayo's point of view, and you're thinking, well, we absolutely could have done an awful lot better there. Just break it away, get it away from there, do whatever else, but just deal with it in the first place, and they didn't do it at all. The second thing that happened was Jordan Flynn's goal. That was at least contentious. You know, I think there's been second look at it, and, you know, you can have what you... But, like, I think there, there is a question mark there, at very least, so they missed out on that one. The, the second Basquale goal was sort of self-inflicted as well as Sam Callanan tried to see the ball out over the line um, and, and didn't got his pocket picked by Mannion one thing led another Basquale patch into the net there's another thing you know that Mayo will look at and say Jesus in that moment we could have done an awful lot better and then on top of that you have the chance that fell to Owen McLaughlin and when he just flat out should have scored and he hit the outside of the post and he came back out so you're not going to get everything not everything is going to go for you but there's 12, 12 points in those 12 points on the board in those particular incidents that could have went either way, and all four of them went against Mayo. So I think, and as I say, some of them self-inflicted. So I think Mayo will look back at that and go, "Geez, we did ourselves absolutely no favour." And let's not take away from Dublin; they were brilliant. I agree with Colin Keyes' piece this morning that Dublin looked as good as they have in years. It's the 2019 uh, game, as he as he mentioned. But I think if you're Mayo, you're looking at that and saying, "Like, well, we have to whatever about how good Dublin were. We have to get our own house in order." And there was some major self-inflicted wounds there. But the other thing, Donnick, I'd say is that that's history repeating itself because Absolutely, if you go yeah. back to the last decade of Dublin v Mayo, uh, nearly every time Dublin seemed to get two goals and more often than not, there, there were 
defensively cheap concessions and Dublin went for the jugular. And in those same games, Mayo struggled to get goals. They've, if you take Lee Keegan out of the equation, you know, they've barely ever scored a goal against Dublin in, in championship in that period. And even when they beat them two years ago, they did it with points. You know, there was no goals and Dublin had a kind of complete meltdown in late and normal time and in an extra time. Mm. So, I mean, this is a recurring feature uh, and it explains why Dublin are invariably tend to win the majority of these matches with, with Mayo. Mm-hmm. Moving to, to Saturday then for a second, don't look at Kerry Tyrone, you know, similarly comprehensive on the scoreboard in the end. Why do you think Kerry were able to pull away with such ease by the end of the game? Well, I mentioned earlier, earlier that I saw them against uh, uh, Loud. I, I covered that match. And, you know, there is a certain amount to, to be put down to maybe Loud fatigue. You know, they have ascended through the ranks of football very quickly and maybe they just sort of bottom out for this year at that point and Kerry took advantage. But the big thing I took away from it was that their big players were in great form. Uh, David Clifford's excellence is routine now and it was against Loud. Sean O'Shea was brilliant in at full forward and we saw more of that yesterday. He was in great form. He was snarling his way around the place. He looked like he was taking everything personally that day. And they were well up and he was sort of like going around starting fires everywhere, looking for ball, looking for possession, looking for work, looking for aggro even. Like he was well up for it. Hoddy Clifford was brilliant that day um, as well. And so I wasn't terribly surprised that that it, it panned out the way it did. But doing the preview in the Independent on on, on uh, for Saturday's paper, and, you know, the, the Paddy Connor Myler thing has been a running battle for a while. And Paddy was brilliant yesterday in that regard. Um, and when he plays well, Kerry generally did play well. And we're talking an awful lot about David, and rightly so. But Paddy sort of links it all together, I think. You know, he, he's always carrying the ball out of defence. Great kick pass or great vision. Uh, can fit enough and agile and mobile enough to cover the ground, take points, score goals. Like, he can do a bit of everything. And he's very important to the way they play. So... Um, when those players are in that sort of form and and Tyrone couldn't get the shackles on them, I think it was nearly inevitable what way that game was going to go because Tyrone haven't looked like All Ireland champions since the day they won the All Ireland. Really, they've had loads of there's loads of different reasons for that. Um, but uh, I think yesterday, Frank, the form that they've shown in the last two years, they were just just off it for whatever reason. And on paper, they're an awful lot better than that. They have the tools to to trouble anyone, but the last two years, they just haven't been able to pull it together. Yeah, Frank, how would you rank the contenders that are left then? Like Kerry or Dublin, who do you have top of that list at the moment? God. Uh, I mean, you can. there's so little between them. Um, I mean, uh, as of Sunday morning, I would have said Kerry are definitely in the box seat. <laughs> I'm not so sure now. I mean... Uh, Desi's great achievement so far, anyway, has been the level of competition he has found, he has recreated in a squad that had kind of lost an awful lot of that over the last few years. I mean, we saw yesterday where um, Kieran Kilkenny um, was one of four late changes. Um, obviously, this was the team they were going, going with from the outset. But, you know, when is the last time Kieran Kilkenny has not started? a straight knockout championship match for Dublin. Um, you know, and he came on and he looked hungry and he was involved. One of the points came from a brilliant uh, kick-out break that he got a hand to. He scored himself. He set up one for Dean Rock. So if if you look at the, you know, the players he was able to bring off the bench uh, yesterday, I mean, 
he had Kilkenny, he had Jack McCaffrey, uh, Paddy Small. I mean, Cali Basquel has re-emerged. It's almost like his third coming. But finally, he's established himself, not just as a starter, but a really important player in that setup. So, I mean, there has been a kind of sense all year long that maybe this is one last hurrah for, for Dublin. But they looked so hungry in that second half yesterday that um, I, I definitely cannot write them out of the equation. I think they will they will beat Monaghan. I just don't think Monaghan will be able to score enough against them uh, to kind of stay with them for, you know, bring it into a dogfight. So, uh, and I would expect Kerry to beat Derry. Um, even though it may be more difficult for them. Um, Derry's form did not look great. I didn't think they I, they weren't, they didn't impress me really at all yesterday, I must admit. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, they looked a bit leggy and just... I think, I think that's just them. what Derry do, Frank, in fairness to them. You know, they, they kind of yeah, control the game. Them, and I've seen, them, I've, seen them, I've seen them within that context play an awful lot better. And I suppose we're looking to see Derry, you know, because, show that, show what they've shown in lots of other venues in Crow Park. Mm. Don't think they did enough of it yesterday. Now, yeah, I, I was sort of my, my impression of Derry was that they were playing well within themselves yesterday. Um, and I've seen them a couple of times over, I've seen them several times over the last couple of years. Um, you know, la, the, the big question mark now is, and and um, Kieran Mina acknowledged it afterwards. He said, like people are asking the question, are Derry in the elite bracket of teams? He says, and he says that's fair. He's you know because. You know, when it came to it, they hadn't done it. So the big question for Derry now next day is that when, when they played Galway in last year's All-Ireland semi-final, they scored 1-6 and they were sort of like comprehensively pulled apart. Um, they'll get a much... They'll need to be in so much better than that against Kerry, particularly in this form. But um, they were kind of well in control of that game against Cork yesterday. Um, the one by 4 they, you know, and, and trailing by four against Derry in that form is, you know, it's kind of like six, seven points. And on top of that, they um they missed the penalty or the penalty saved. Michal Martin saved the penalty um in injury time. So Derry were a lot more comfortable, I felt, in that game than than uh, than the scoreline suggests. They were like even the Cork goal got them back to within one and Derry pulled away again, or Derry hit back with their own goal immediately. Um that a couple of more chances. Cork, you know, they had Cork shooting from positions that their, the Cork's return was was poor. Cork shooting from positions and under pressure and making mistakes. So I think that's, um, I think they'll be much better equipped this time around. I'm not, I don't think they'll beat uh, Kerry, but I, I do think they played well within themselves yesterday. Um, and not a bad place to be because, you know, they'll have to, they know how much improvement they have to do before the next one. But uh, yeah, there we were. There we were decent, as good as they needed to be. And, and you did feel like they could go go to that next level. Yeah, no, they'll obviously Shane McGuigan, you know, had probably one of his poorer games of a of great summer. Yeah, so four, from, four, four from three. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's probably a good sign for Derry because would they've done how 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 much would they have struggled last year if he had to have less influence? And you know, we probably haven't talked about James McCarthy enough. He was absolutely incredibly good yesterday, um, for me. But Connor Glass is sort of you know the tone setter for for Derry as well, and he does so much stuff for them in terms of linking the play, moving it on. Like he's so incredibly fit and strong that you see him team players trying to go around him and he can just track the run and make them turn back. And he's 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 a huge, uh, huge addition for them. But yeah, I as I say, I thought Derry were had a bit in their back pocket yesterday. 
And Frank, what about Monaghan? The one team that books the trend of, you know, the primary quarterfinal winners being eliminated and it had to be them after the dramatic championship they've had already. I think two wins secured with the last kick of a ball, another draw with the last kick of a ball and then even Conor McManus to rescue the game for them uh, against Armagh and then winning on penalties. Like the Monaghan story, I know Dick Clerkett's not here with us and he hates some people talk about, you know, Monaghan punching above their weight or, you know, these great escapes, but Sometimes cliches are cliches because there is a lot of truth to them and the way Monaghan are able to battle and, and stay in the fight is remarkable. Well, I just think their, their, their calmness down the home straight of games is remarkable, whether they're a county of 65,000 people or 265,000 people. They, they, and, and I think this was exemplified uh, in the last play of, of uh, Extra Time on Saturday night. I mean, I was just going through the... Uh, the, the Diego tape again this morning because I wanted to kind of confirm in my own head that you know they were they were within their rights to actually play that last free short and try to work the chance um, because three minutes of injury time had been called and you know the, the McManus's uh, equalising point came in the seventh but there was nearly three minutes it was two minutes and fifty seconds of a hold up uh, for an Arma injury while Monaghan waited to see what they were going to do. And it was that bit too far for probably Rory Began to have a chance. You know, it would have been a shot in a million for him to score a free from there. But in that moment, they had the wherewithal to work the chance and get the ball into the hands of the one player who needed to have it. And that was Conor McManus. And he did exactly the right thing to win the free and then had the composure to, 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 to draw, you know, and it was such fine margins. I mean, there was probably 15 seconds of injury time, injury time left. And McManus was fouled 13 seconds after Began played the free. I mean, it was just remarkable stuff. Well, you know, a week before that, Conor McCarthy had scored a brilliant point with the outside of his boot in the fifth minute of injury time to beat Kildare. And that was a game that in lots of ways they probably couldn't, should have lost. Kildare left several goals behind them. But Monaghan stayed in the fight and they are just brilliant at doing that. Hmm. So, okay, would you give them much of a chance against Dublin? Before we you know, started, you were just talking that you think they could make life difficult for Dublin? Yeah, I think like they're, they're, Monaghan around a long time, their experience is hard earned and you know, the, the record in Crow Park isn't brilliant when it comes to championship games and knockout football. But I don't think, like I mentioned the, the sort of goals that that uh, Monaghan or that Mayo coughed up. I don't think Monaghan will do that. I don't think they'll. I don't think you'll have that sort of lapses in concentration. That to, you know that that they will just hand Dublin the initiative like that. I agree with what Frank said earlier. Will they score enough to beat them? It's hard to see it at the moment. It's hard to see it in, uh, uh, based on certainly the weekend's um, games. But yeah, like Monaghan have no hang-ups about anyone. Um, and this is, uh, hopefully we can cut this and send it to Dick. And that's one of their many strengths. You know what I mean? They, they Don't worry, the reputations, they don't really care to go out and do what they're going to do. They do a very slow, deliberate build-up. Armagh mirrored them the other day and, and they got over the line. Um, and I, I just think I just think they're, they're quite, they're streetwise, they're smart. They always have this smattering of, if you go back through, say, when Banty first brought them on to the national consciousness and they're in all Ireland semi-finals, they always have this little smattering of proper gold dust. So you go back to the say, if you remember Tommy Freeman, Tommy had a couple of years where he was absolutely electric as an inside forward. 
you know, I'm going to have gone on that and sit for a long time now, Conor McManus has been this exceptional footballer, nationally lauded for how good he is. So along with all the functionality and the streetwise stuff and the physicality and the organization and all that, to have that little bit of sort of X factor, you know, even like Jack McCarron can have brilliant days uh, when the ball sticks to him and he swings it in that left foot. Darren Hughes drives them out. Like, you know, to have bits of everything and even sometimes when it's going against them, you just see them keep on trucking on and trucking on and trucking on. So I, I, I wouldn't expect, I would fully expect Monaghan to win with a certain amount of belief that they're going to play the game in their terms and um, make life difficult for Dublin. They will think that they'll give themselves a full chance to, to get to an All-Ireland final. I'm not sure they'll get it done, but I don't, they won't roll over and they will, uh, they'll absolutely relish the shot. Some people might cower away from it. I think that Monaghan team, Monaghan of the last 10 years, uh, doing as well as they are and everything with the resources that Dick doesn't like, um, being a smaller county, I think they'll, they will relish this on uh, um, on Saturday week. Where are our man now, Frank? You know, their third penalty shooter defeat in around 12 months. You know, last year's quarterfinal, the Ulster final, now another quarterfinal. Like it's the end of the year, number nine for Kieran McGinney. He's been there a very long time and a team that's promised a lot, but they ultimately haven't really won any silverware under Kieran McGinney, no provincial titles and haven't got past the quarterfinal hump either. You know, what's his future, do you think, after another tough defeat? It's a funny one because you, you, you talk to people around our man and the sense seems to be that Kieran McGinney will be manager for as, as long as he wants. Not that everyone would necessarily agree with that in the county, but that just seems to be the the narrative, you know. Um, I mean, he he is surely the the unluckiest general out there, if you, in one sense, you know, losing three penalty shootouts in in twelve months. But at the same time, you know, I think they've you know they've only themselves to blame as well. Um, there were a point up at half time in a low scoring dogfight on Saturday evening, but you were kind of you know. The better teams, what did better teams do over the weekend? They turned they, they turned the screw straight after halftime. Kerry did it. Dublin did it. Derry, Derry probably did. You know, I thought Derry should have been more up at halftime. But they really kind of took that game away from Cork for most of the second half. Um, Arma allowed Monaghan to dictate the second half tempo for most of, of norm, the remainder of normal time. Uh, they allowed it to stay uh, a one-point game in the melting pot right the way through. And then at the start of extra time, for probably eight minutes, they had an extra man when Monaghan suffered what I thought was a kind of unlucky enough black card for, for Sean Jones. And they didn't press on in that period either. So they allowed, I'm not saying they allowed Monaghan to stay in the fight. Monaghan did that as well. But there's a sense with this Armad team that they... You know, they don't max out on, you know, the players they have. Maybe the players aren't good enough. Uh, you can argue that maybe that at this stage they need a new sense of direction because, you know, nine years is a long, long time for, the, you know, the same management team to be there without, you know, any silverware. Mm. But, um, uh, you know, I, I've, you feel sorry for them losing a penalty shootout. It's a terrible way to go out and all that. But why didn't they get the job done before that? Yeah, like it would strike me that like the team that Kim McGinney was a part of that won that All Ireland 2002 had a lot of kind of 
footballing brains on it and many guys who've gone into intercounty management either as managers or as coaches or selectors and and you know Kieran McGinney's almost been there 10 years and without having the maybe the ultimate success of the show for it do you think it is time for someone else to take it on and see what they can do with it? Well, As always in these cases I suppose you have to you know when people are talking about we need change <clears throat> change for what? Change to who? Um, except Frank's point he's there a long time um, but I don't think there's any doubt that he has the buy-in of the players. Um, uh, and, you know, but for a small bit of luck, they could their last 18 months could have been incredibly different. Nine seasons is a very long time. You don't see it. Um, so, you know, there, there's the argument on that side. But I do kind of agree with the point Frank May, made there about are, are they maxing out? If you go back to that, was it Armagh Dublin in the league? And they played some absolutely brilliant football. They put Rian O'Neill on the edge of the square. And they just lashed in angle balls on top of him. And like he's so good that he was making even the ones that were ordinary passes into him, he was making something out of him. So you do wonder sometimes did they did they make a mistake yesterday on Saturday in um in going for uh in basically mirroring Monaghan. Maybe they felt they had to because Monaghan will hit you in the break or whatever, but thought maybe they, they had uh, they had the options to change it up, certainly at some stage, change it up. Uh, try and play a little bit differently and, and they didn't they were also quite unlucky you have to say a couple of goal chances that they didn't take so is that bad luck or poor execution you know whatever you're having yourself um, so yeah I, I, I don't think certainly for a while anyway in Armagh they'll be feeling anything other than a little bit sore because to lose three times in a year on penalties is just like pure bad luck you know that's, you, you, which one of them like has to fall your way you'd imagine um, and they took some really good penalties um, at the weekend as well. But three times is 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 remarkable. Like it's just you know where where do you you can't even start to explain it or analyse that. Well, I'd like to thank Donica and Frank for joining me on this week's episode of the Throwing Football Show. We will be back next week with another podcast. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or listen on Independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening, and goodbye. This is an Irish independent podcast.